It's 5 p.m. on a weekday. You're driving home from work, and suddenly you're covered in a cold sweat. You desperately need to know if Miley Cyrus has clapped back at the haters who slammed her over the backlash to the backlash from her latest post-divorce hookup. Well, luckily, Celeb News Ride Home is here. Celeb News Ride Home is a new daily podcast that covers famous people and the shenanigans they get up to. Every day at 5 p.m., celebrity gossip guru Kate Raft will guide you through everything from Kylie Jenner's newest champagne vending machine to the state of Ben Affleck's giant phoenix back tattoo and so much more. It's only 15 minutes long, so it's quick, it's daily, and it's essential. Search your podcast app right now for Ride Home and subscribe to the Celeb News Ride Home podcast. I've never fit, but I won't complain and I won't quit. I am enormous, get used to it. Everyone tells me I'm too much, maybe it's just you're not enough for me. Can't you see, I'm the kind of woman I'm supposed to be. Hi there, I am sexual folklorist Dixie Delator, and this is episode 101 of the Body Storytelling Podcast. As I said last week, I can't believe we made it to episode 100. It didn't seem like we were going to make it for the longest time, and we made it before the end of 2019. So that means 2020 is going to be off the charts, don't you think? I got so much great feedback from the stories the live show that we put out on last week's episode. And this week is going to be part two, the second half of the show with even more music and some of the stories that had people telling me at the end of the night, this, this, this was the best body storytelling I've ever been to. In nearly 13 years, people were saying, this is the one. And I am full of self-doubt all the time, but I walked away pretty much in agreement because the storytellers were just so lit up by the enthusiastic audience who had flown in from all over the world. Folsom Street Fair is this huge kink event that we have in San Francisco. And for the very first time ever, we did body storytelling the night of the street fair. I don't know what's wrong with me, why I never did that before, but it made so much sense The audience was tired from walking around a street fair in their leather. The audience looked amazing. Oh my God. The fucking, oh, wow. There was latex. There was leather. There were furries. There was every single kind of pervert in the world in that room. 
packed into the Verity Club for our sold-out show. I'm so glad you get to listen to it this week. So this is part two of a whole show. All the songs, all the stories. Episode 100 was the first half of our Kinktacular show. And this is part two, the second half of the show. Before we get into the episode and all the energy in that room, I wanted to catch you up on a couple of things. You may know that we just launched a line of merchandise. This is our first merchandise. In all the years I've been doing this, it's never happened till now. And last week at the Seattle Body Storytelling Show, we rolled out the brand new Body Got Me Laid line of perfume and body butter and lube. And uh, we had them at the show. And we did this uh, special thing where if you bought the deluxe gift box, it came with a free motorboat. Uh, there were instructions on how to motorboat. I don't know if you know that there are actually three ways to motorboat. So I let people choose which motorboat would be the one that they received. I motorboated a lot of people. And uh, this has never happened to me before. I woke up the next morning and my boobs were broke. Somehow I hit somebody in the face with my tits so hard you could hear the slap, the whole audience, because I was demoing the three kinds of motorboats on stage. The final one, I somehow slapped the demo person, who is one of our Patreon supporters. So I'm like, will you be my demo? You're going to get extra motorboats. And she was definitely in. But the final motorboat hit her in the face with my tit so hard that there was this echoing slap she and I burst out laughing and I was like, are you okay? That sounded, the audience just gasped from the sound. And I thought it was amusing until I woke up the next morning and realized I had broken my boobs. So I'm not sure if I'm going to be giving out motorboats at the December 18th show or not. I'm going to check and see if they're okay because my boobs are pretty important to my business. I kind of need to make sure I keep them as long as I can. So we gave away motorboats as an incentive to buy the gift package with all of the complete line of Body Got Me Laid products. People loved it. Everybody in the room, including people who don't like fragrance, were saying, this stuff smells so good. And I chose it myself. I'm very proud of myself. I think that you're going to love it too. If you go to bodystorytelling.com slash merchandise, you can see the line of products and um, yeah, I don't know how to do a long distance motorboat. Maybe I can just like, you know, do a quick bonjoro message where I just rub my boobs on my camera screen or something like that. I don't know. But I hope you like the smell of the new line of perfume. And it's the perfect gift for a body storytelling fan. They can smell like body storytelling. All that energy all that sexy, all those people going commando because they put their panties on the table for a sniff test. Mmm, yeah, that's a good smell. So we're about to get into part two. It's a long episode. Settle in, put your earbuds in, and here we go.
right, friends. So um, I'm just gonna um, I'm just gonna address you know the elephant in the room, um, which is like sometimes you come here with your straight partner and you think you're gonna find like a bisexual woman to you know be your like third, right? And like it's hard. Um, it's hard and, and people aren't talking about it. They're not talking about the plight of the straight couple. <laughs> All over Folsom, you know? It's just queer, queer, queer. And it's like... <laughs> so, you know, I just, I thought I would like try to bring a spotlight to this issue. Um, it's just not getting enough attention, and um, this this song is um, dedicated to all those unicorns out there. Special someone who fits just right. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I feel I deserve it. I've done a lot of therapy. It's clear as day that this would work for me. I've talked it over. I've thought. I'll tell my wife we need a unicorn, 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 a unicorn in our lives. We need a unicorn, unicorn, unicorn to help our sex life survive. It'll be a dream for everyone involved, just us Attributes, and of course, her politics, that's very important to me. We'll meet at Polly Happy Hour on Thursday at four. And when we meet her there, we'll lay down the score. Yeah, cause you know, I don't want just like some basic unicorn. I need like the perfect one that's gonna fit in with what I already got going on, you know? Let me break it down for you. I want a girl 
who's attracted to me and my wife equally so it works out 50 50 every time i'm mentally stable but emotionally available good abs and able to fuck us for days i want a girl who's a gymnast why not she has her own amazing friends but she doesn't date any of them she finds our remarks extremely wise laughing at our jokes and saying oh my god you guys if she volunteers with orphans that's cool pursuing her phd in global finance her sweat tastes like rainbows and her nipples are stars we never have to argue she's emotionally smart i want a girl who's available not next Wednesday, but the Wednesday after from about 2 to 4.30 and preferably somewhere in the mission because that's where I work. But actually, you know what, while I'm thinking about it, if she could just like meet me at work, maybe that would add like 15 minutes of hangout time. That would work. Just getting to wherever it is so we're good. Yeah. And when we spring it on her that New Year's should really be just us. She'll be like, totally, that's fine. Thanks for taking care of yourselves. And when we tell her that we feel she hasn't been putting in the work, she'll be like, totally, you guys are everything to me. I understand that your relationship is the focus here, so I will do my best to adapt. Just please keep fucking me. our dreams but we haven't really been impressed with what we've seen just regular people everywhere we viewed and poly message boards have frankly been rude they call us rookies they call us naive. Well, I think they're jealous. They don't like what they see. They don't want us to have our unicorn, 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 unicorn all our own. They want to hide us from their unicorns, unicorns, unicorns. But we want one that we can bring home. It'll be a dream. Stroking her unicorn hair, she'll room because she knows it's hard to sleep when she's there she'll be the best sex toy i mean person that we've used i mean been with i mean it'll be great we can show her off when we're in the right context and then when we're not we'll just have sex and skip the date i've seen it work on tv i've seen it work on tv come on baby work for me and be Ho, ho, you naughty reindeers. Christmas is almost here, and I caught Mommy kissing Santa Claus because Daddy has a hairy bush. 
That's right, it's holiday season, so it's time to buy gifts for you and your partner. I am talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0. But first, if you don't know about Manscaped and the importance of manscaping, then it's time to hop on the trend. Revolutionary company Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer and called it the Lawnmower 2.0. Their Lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary advanced skin safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag your man's nuts. Snagging your nuts, holy shit, that sounds terrible. The Lawnmower 2.0 comes inside your perfect package 2.0, which makes for the perfect gift this holiday season. It's literally everything your partner needs to keep him trimmed, cut free, and smelling really nice down there. Speaking of smelling nice, let's be real. We've all smelled stinky balls before. Whew, boy, that's the truth. That's why I am thankful for their Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver. These products keep balls from sweating, smelling, and sticking. Oh my God, balls sticking. These products smell good. Their manly scent is attractive and will help set the mood. Get 20% off your entire order, a free travel bag, a free pair of boxers, and free accelerated shipping with the code Dixie at manscaped.com. The perfect package will also come with a pair of manscaped boxer briefs that'll keep his junk smelling and feeling fresh all day. Tis the season to manscape. So get your man, dad, brother, or male identified friend the best gift of all. The Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0 is the perfect gift. So use promo code DIXIE for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Hey Dixie, this is Ian in Los Angeles. You've been asking people to share their stories about what body storytelling means to us, so here's mine. I'd been a longtime listener to your podcast and been to a couple of live shows when you were here in L.A. My wife flew up from L.A. that afternoon and then that night with her and a friend I'd made in your workshop sitting in the front row, I got up in front of 250 people and shared about the shame that had dogged me for decades, how I overcame it in my mid-50s and discovered my power to deliver pleasure to my partner, and how that power was symbolized by the image that I had gotten permanently put on my body just hours before getting up on stage and it opened up a conversation that has led to a connection and a new relationship. After being a fan for many years, that's what body storytelling has meant to me over just the last seven months. Thanks. Before I introduce the first story of the second half of the show, math is fucking hard, you know what? Okay. I'm really excited about this storyteller. You've heard her on the Body Storytelling Podcast. She is a pervert and a kinky chef. She's got a sense of humor is kind of tilts toward the macabre. And she's a great storyteller. Remember, make a fuck ton of noise for Noreen Mechanique. to see all of you again for the first time. <laughs> of all the perverse things that I've wrapped my brain around as an adult over the years, the one thing that stands tall is the concept of footwear. 
whether it's an industrial platform boot covered in chains and spikes, or a neck-breakingly tall stiletto heel, or a perfectly greased pair of work boots. <laughs> there is nothing so innately fascinating for me as the thing that a person can protect their feet and calves with as they navigate the world feeling their sexiest. I'm not a foot fetishist, though. There's a difference. I like the aspect of the boot or heel being a piece of armor, something that's protecting the person that wears it, and an object, des an object of desire for someone who may want to put their face on it. Getting back to the subject of feet, however, I personally don't get into the concept of, like, sucking toes. Some people do, and that's awesome. I've had my toes sucked, and that's great. Um, I also don't, you know, get excited by the idea of burying my face uh, into a vajankle. But some people probably do that, and that's fucking awesome, right? So, as a young kinky pervert in Philadelphia, I... Luckily, was of the generation where I had internet in my dorm room. And as a, a willful and curious person, I stumbled upon the great kink.com, which is, you know, an empire of sorts from, from here in the Bay Area. And the first website that I found was waterbondage.com. And I romanticized that website up and down. I thought that the, the idea of being tied up and put in water tanks and having pressure hoses stuck up in all your holes was just the coolest fucking thing you could possibly do. And I had this pipe dream in a way of... Ha, 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 yeah! pipe dream in a way of getting to experiencing that where, you know, maybe it was with a, a partner just in the bathtub or maybe if I were to ever live in California, that could be a cool thing to apply to do. Like, why not, you know? And there was a particular performer for that website uh, named Claire Adams. And I found Claire Adams to just be this very stunning, curious person. Uh, I don't know where her name came from, but she was, in my mind, the perfect juxtaposition of Claire Danes pale, redheaded, and with a cool-headed, sort of dark humor attitude a la Wednesday Adams. So it kind of worked for me, right? And so I just thought she was a very fascinating person to be putting herself, you know, through these paces. And as the years would go on, she became a bondage rigger in her own right, had her work shown in like Vogue Italy and just like all these amazing things, right, in terms of erotic art. And, and porn that involved bondage. And it was also her that inspired me to pay for my porn. Pay for your fucking porn. <laughs> Pornhub looks cool, but like, pay the people that make the art, right? Otherwise they don't fucking get to live anymore where they wanna live. So, so do that for me and for, for just people in general, right? Support your local artists. So all that being said, Lived in Philly from like 2002 to 2006. Shortly thereafter, moved to California. Who'd have thought? And the closer I got to San Francisco and the closer I realized I was in proximity to that big brick building over at 16, you know, 14th and Mission, I was like, well, shit, maybe I should apply for waterbondage.com. Like, that would be cool, right? 
So, so I did, you know, and uh, so I applied to be a model. I'd never done any formal porn work before, so I was very much an amateur. Um, but I knew, you know, I had gumption and I knew I had a lot of interest around this because I considered myself a lifestyle pervert and really into power exchange roles. And so during my sort of like walkthrough interview in the building, I mentioned waterbondage.com and they said, oh, you know, we don't actually shoot for that anymore. We've sort of retired the site. Like we might do a... Uh, like a pitch once in a while, but we're not really we're not really using those props or anything anymore. And I was like, okay, fine. So as the years progressed, I actually became sort of a, a casual figure in the in the company, both as a once in a while performer, which was really cool, to being an extra in a lot of uh, shoots that were uh, on the upperfloor.com. And as a kinky chef, I sort of cut my teeth on working for a large startup format company here by working in their commissary kitchen and making food for all the full-time staff as well as the performers. So I had sort of multiple layers of relationships with the people who helped evolve that, that company and, and those websites, and it felt really great. Um, so all that being said, doo -doo -doo -doo, uh, it was about uh, 2013, so not too long ago, I'm in the kitchen and I'm, I'm helping the head chef make lunch. And Claire Adams, who is now a director for the company, walks in to get her vegetarian lunch option. And we talked every once in a while and it was kind of funny to think that this person I saw on camera a decade prior is someone I'm making lunch for now, pretty cool. And uh, we talked a little bit about piercings and like suspension hooks and all these sort of gratuitous fleshy moments. And she said, you know, I'm meaning to ask you, I've I've got a couple more shoots left here. I'm sort of wrapping up my time here at the company. It was well known that she was about to formally retire. And she was, you know, not much older than me. So I was like, really? At like 30-something, you're retiring? That's fucking cool. Um, and she said, you know, I've got a couple more shoots sort of lined up in the next month or so. Would you like to shoot with me for devicebondage.com? And I nearly dropped the goddamn plate of food that I was holding for her. I was like, what? I'm sorry, what, did, what was that? Like, what? And she goes, yeah, I'm, I'm doing a couple sort of spur things. There's a live show. There's, like, a couple things I want to do. I'd, I'd like to have you on. And I, I know that you're, you're into this in your personal life. I'd like to have, you know, ch check out if that's something you'd like to do. I was like, absolutely, yeah, that's great. So if you were to look up Claire's name, you would see her in a variety of bondage positions herself. She then a lot of beautiful photos wearing stereotypical you know, fetish attire, lots of latex, lots of ballet heels. But as a director, she sort of anonymized herself. She would wear a wide-brimmed hat and sort of just matte black clothing and knee-high Westcos. <laughs> and while the direction of those shoots were meant to showcase the one on the submissive side in these various compromising positions, uh, that wasn't lost on me that she was wearing these fucking sexy leather boots. So that was sort of in the back of my mind. I was like, yeah, can we, do you think you could wear those Westcos when we do this shoot? And she's like, don't worry, I got you. So for those of you who might not know, device bondage required a lot of technical skill on everyone involved, not just for the endurance of the person, you know, in these various poses and being penetrated all different ways. Um, but also just the, the technical knowledge and ability for understanding human anatomy was something that she had really mastered. And in the days before this shoot that I did with her, um, I went in and um, after, you know, just sort of general tests and things that one does in the industry, I had all of my measurements taken. And by all of them, I mean elbow to wrist, 
diameter of wrist, diameter of forearm, diameter of neck, width of shoulders, length of torso, four different positions down my torso, thighs, calves, knees, ankles, everything was measured. The reason for that is because I was going to be immobilized with steel pipe and bolted into the floor or wall or ceiling depending on the aesthetic of the shoot that they wanted to create. All of these positions that they put performers in for device bondage are made for that specific model, and that position is likely not reused for a very long time, right? So this is sort of a, a one-moment shot. And so the format of this shoot was three scenes. The first scene was uh, me kneeling, wearing latex elbow-length gloves, in a strapato sort of position, and being face-fucked with a dildo on a stick. And that in and of itself was pretty objectifying and, and, and emotionally sort of stressful. And I was like, how, does, how is this going to look good? I really wonder how this is going to edit and post. <laughs> um, and, and, it, and it took a while to really kind of get into it. Like, okay, I just need to open my mouth a little wider. And then I'd sort of look off to the side and I'd see how nice that toe cap looked just a you know, foot or two away. And I was like... God damn, that's really, those are really fucking hot boots. So, so I'm distracting myself in the moment, right? Second position was a bizarre magazine or like Willie style bondage tribute in that I was spread eagle about as much as I could possibly do because I'm not particularly limber, held midair, so my legs were sort of triangulated and uh, you know, put akimbo so that everything was exposed. And that was when we got to do a forced orgasm slash orgasm denial experience. So I'm hanging midair with my legs apart, completely wrapped in pipe, and just sort of hanging from a suspension point. And you're welcome to look this up, fucking pay for it. <laughs> Don't scalp it. Um, you can totally do that, uh, but I won't think highly of you if you do. Um, but so the you know second position was was pretty was pretty interesting, kind of being in midair, but also being encased in this very semi permanent thing. And the third scene was a backbend, where I was kneeling, stretched, you know, sort of like this, not not too much of an extreme position, but I had my legs apart just just enough so you could see, you know, all of this here, and, you know, completely nude. And she brought out this contraption that was a leather sort of hourglass piece studded with little silver studs with a metal bar that looked like a screw and two nipple clamps hanging off of it. And she sets this, as I'm already bolted into this wood planking floor, with my head back, with a pipe against my, you know, head, and she puts this thing on my sternum right below my décolletage <laughs> and gets my, my nipples in it so that they're pulled tight as I'm in this pose. And I'm starting to get into it because I do like a little, bit of a, a little bit of pain. I am a bit of a masochist. And she you know, kind of does the, the usual paces of caning and teasing me out with a Hitachi. And then all of a sudden I feel this thunk sort of sensation right up against my cunt. And I realized that she's kicked me with the toe cap of her Wesco. <laughs> now, being hit in my cunt is one of my least favorite things. I fucking hate being caned, but I would rather take a good caning than, than having someone slap me or kick me in my box. I found an exception to the rule. <laughs> and her name was Claire Adams. 
So she's, you know, very softly kicking, kicking my now glistening cunt with the top of her oil tan boots, and I'm in heaven. I'm like, this is fucking great. I'm in this awesome pose. I feel sexy. This is, you know, it's not just a job. This is like really, you know, evaluating the things that I've, you know, looked at as a young pervert as being an ideal. And then she takes her, her boot away from my cunt, and I'm like, oh, okay, okay, what's happening now? What's gonna happen next? And you know, I get a couple more canes, I'm like, ow, okay. And, and then she walks up alongside me, and I'm looking up at her, and she doesn't, doesn't really say a word, she just has a stoic look on her face, and she really slowly raises her right foot and plants the full tread of her boot on my throat. And I was no longer in that room. I was on a slip and slide of eroticism. I was on tetanus-friendly bondage that was just water-sporting its way to making a huge mess of that whole set, and I didn't care because I didn't have to clean it up. (laughs) In that unique circumstance, it was not part of my job. So she's got her Wesco on my throat, and I'm in heaven, and I don't care if she's gonna let me have a formal orgasm or not, because at this point, I have had the experience of not only witnessing this wonderful artist in the original media that she evolved herself in, but I got to help hold her up for that brief moment. Now, she might not have looked at it that way because I don't even know she would appreciate me telling this story now that she's no longer in the industry, but to have this femme persona and this femme-identified person who'd really, you know, come full circle in her own mind about what it meant to have a career in this sort of scenario, we got to have that shared experience where we knew we were both into it and it wasn't just a paycheck. That being said, at the end of that shoot, we didn't have aftercare. I wiped the messed up makeup off my face, we more or less shook hands and did my exit interview and I took a shower and I went home, right? There wasn't any cuddling, there wasn't the like, call the next day, it was, it was a job. It didn't suck. It was an important variation on a theme. But on my way home, the thing that kept sticking out in my mind, aside from how fun it was to get to ride the top of her boot when I did, was how much she must have liked that grilled mushroom sandwich I made for her two weeks prior. <laughs> Body Storytelling's Patreon supporters get incredible rewards. You can get ad-free episodes. You can get special storytelling coaching time or just Q&A with me wherever you are. We can do it on the internet. And you can even have your own body storytelling for you and your friends. Support us at whatever level you can because that's what keeps this podcast going. Your Patreon support is funding the growth of this podcast. It's funding these weekly episodes. I never thought I'd be able to do it. But the costs that are incurred like web hosting, podcast editing, engineers, all of those things, you're paying for them through Patreon. If it's possible this holiday season, the best gift you could give me is to support me even the tiniest amount. So go to patreon.com slash body 
And thanks in advance for your support. Hey, Dixie. Uh, this is Sintri. <laughs> I heard my first episode of Body Storytelling exactly a year ago today. So, yeah. <laughs> it, happy Bodyversary? Um, I really wanted to just thank you for inspiring me. You've definitely helped me change my outlook on just how important stories are. I've actually, I've started working on a graphic memoir about uh, growing up queer and, and my, you know, journey and journey into kink. Thank you and happy bodyversary. Our final storyteller tonight is an author, a BDSM educator, a performer, an actress, uh, star of the documentary, The Artist and the Pervert, which is a story of her and her husband, compo composer Georg Frederick Haas. And you can also see Body storytelling her stories in that documentary as well. She has flown all the way from New York to tell a brand new story for you here tonight. I'm gonna ask you to get up out of your chairs and please welcome to the stage, Molena Williams-Haas. officially doing kinky shit deliberately and with purpose in about 1994-95. And so because I like to do things halfway, of course I jump into a full-time 24-7 formal leather household with multiple slaves. Because God forbid I should just try getting spanked first. 
I immediately discovered that despite the fact that I thought I had finally found my family, that some of the shit I wanted to do was really unacceptable, even to perverts. <laughs> I said, well, you know, I'm a black woman. I'm doing kinky stuff. Is there anything wrong with me wanting to pretend to be Aunt Jemima? <laughs> Spoiler alert, yes. Very, very wrong. <laughs> so the first year or so of my exploring kink and SM, I took a lot of heat for the things that I thought would bring me closer to other kinky people. So I tried to be chill and I tried to be cool. And then about a year into my kink life, I went to what was called the fetish flea. And I don't know if any of you local perverts remember that. The fetish flea market was in the main gymnasium area of the women's building, and it was a cornucopia of crazy shit. And I remember walking through, and there's paddles, and there's whips, and there's chains, and in one corner is a table with horse masks. And I said, well, what the fuck is that? What is that? Oh, pony play. And I thought, well, that doesn't really make any sense, why would you? <laughs> why would you pretend to be an animal? <laughs> but they were beautiful. And I'm a performer, and I appreciate a good costume. So as I was walking away from the table, a friend of mine ran over and said, oh my God, you would look so cute, dressed like a pony. <laughs> And I was like, oh, I couldn't possibly. <laughs> and strapped on a nose and ears and a huge flowing mane. And in 10 seconds, she flipped the reins over my head, jumped on my back and said, giddy up! <laughs> really, bitch? So I'm walking through the fetish flea, thinking, okay, fine, I'll humor her. And someone comes up to the two of us, looks at her and says, oh, can I pet your pony? I'm sorry. You don't ask someone else if you can touch me. And as she's saying, why, yes, and suddenly this person is scratching me behind the ear, and suddenly I'm thinking, well, that just really feels nice. <laughs> That's just pleasant. And we kept walking, and more and more people were coming around. Can I pet the pony? Can I give you a snack? I have an apple. And I realized that as I was walking around, I was getting shitloads of attention for doing nothing. I could just exist and be awesome. And for someone who was always an overachiever and felt like she always had to earn her place at the table, this was kind of fucking revolutionary. <laughs> but then I had to put the mask back and I realized it was eight or nine hundred dollars. And I could never afford that. And also, who needs more shit to carry around? Being a pervert is already hell on baggage fees. The last thing I need. The very last thing I need is more shit to lug around the world. A few years later, I was in Sweden, T 
teaching and lecturing, and I met a woman, Rebecca, who was pony mistress Rebecca, and she'd literally written the book on pony play, and she and I hit it off. She was super delightful, and she said to me, you know, I'm short a pony this weekend. Would you mind? <sighs> well, you know, it's not my thing. <laughs> but okay. So we went to a dungeon party that was in a bunker in Sweden because during World War II they had carved out all of these mountains so that people could go and hide. And so the party was in this hollowed out mountain and someone had lent Pony Mistress Rebecca their cart and I was hooked to the cart and I had my little ears and I didn't have anything except the ears because I wasn't prepared to be a pony and she said, you know what, it doesn't matter, it's a mindset. Okay. And so we made our great entrance into the party and I'm trotting around and everyone is applauding and speaking in Swedish to each other and coming up and petting the pony. And what was amazing is that because I don't speak Swedish, I got to experience what it probably is like to be a horse among humans. <laughs> They offered me snacks, healthy snacks, because they are very humane. <laughs> and the evening was amazing, and Rebecca decided that my pony was named Oracle. And that Oracle was beautiful and fantastic and amazing, and still I said, you know what, I just can't do it. It's too weird. I have too much weird shit on my plate already. I don't need any more freaky, fucked up weird fetishes to add to the list but I'll be damned if I wasn't looking at some inappropriate Japanese fucking anime. <laughs> or apparently having sex with horses is just fine. I was invited to go and teach at an event that was out in the woods at this camp, Ramblewood, in the southeast. And I showed up, and the week before the camp, I had been talking to a friend of mine who I knew was into pony play, and she knew I kind of was into pony play, but neither of us had really talked about it because we were super shy about it because she was an actual dyed-in-the-wool horsewoman, and she felt a bit weird playing with, you know, trans ponies? I mean, not with cis ponies. <laughs> So we were chatting back and forth, and I finally worked up the nerve to say, would you maybe be interested in doing a scene with me that perhaps is a little bit inappropriate? And she said, what do you mean by inappropriate? And I said, well, you know, I mean, what if the pony was going to the vet? And you had to give her an exam, and you had to check out all of her parts. Would that be appropriate? And she said, well, it may or may not be appropriate, but I have a dildo. <laughs> that happens to be shaped like a horse's penis. I wasn't quite sure what I should do with it. And I said, I'm not sure either, but we can maybe find out. So the day came, and we're at Ramblewood, and at this point, I had acquired some ears and a very simple tail, of which I was very proud. 
And so we met and we negotiated and talked about the scene and she laid out all of her toys and all of her vet examination stuff and at the end of the line was the horse cock. Just sitting there waiting. And she took me out of the stable because there was a little stable that they had set up for all the ponies and we trotted around and she started grooming me and suddenly I realized that I was just not thinking. And if you know me, you know that that is not some shit that ever fucking happens. It's all a mindset, yeah? And as I was led around and more and more people came up and said, God, you're such a beautiful pony. And I realized that I felt beautiful. And that was not something that happens to me very often in my life. I don't often feel beautiful. I don't often feel like I can just stand in my skin and be and be worshipped and adored and fed snacks. (laughs) And she led me around and she had me trotting. A bitch does not trot. I don't even run for a fucking bus in Manhattan. I wait for the next goddamn bus. And yet here I was being lunged in circles, trotting, and then when I got sweaty and super hot, she unclipped me and was like, go ahead, Oracle, roll. And I'm rolling on the grass and kicking my feet up in the air and having the best time. And then the scene was over and she brought me back to the shower and I'm coming down and I'm pulling weeds out of my afro. And I'm like, what the, was I on the ground? I don't fucking nature, (laughs) y'all. I grew up in Manhattan in East Harlem. We looked at some shit in Central Park and then went the fuck back home. And she said, oh yeah, you were having a great time. And as I came down, I realized that the horse cock had never entered into the equation. And I was a little disappointed, but you know how it is when you're kinky, you're supposed to not turn to the person and say, why didn't you do that, motherfucker? (laughs) You should just be present and appreciate the journey as it unfolded. And I'm sitting there in my little blanket and she's patting me with a comb and being very sweet and she finally turned to me and said, you know, I hope you're not angry that I didn't break out the horse dick. And I said, well, ooh, things you never thought you'd heard your friends say. (laughs) And I said, well, I kind of missed it. (laughs) And she looked at me and she said, don't laugh. But there was one moment where you turned and the way that you moved and the way that you looked at me reminded me of my very first horse. And suddenly I was just back learning to lunge and I was 12 and my pony and I were together and it was the first time I realized that I truly loved horses. And she just started crying and she said, I didn't want to disappoint you, I'm so sorry. And I said, no, this is the thing that's so beautiful about what we do as kinky people. We take journeys. You might not know where the journey's gonna lead to. It might lead to you getting a 12-inch horse cock up your ass. (laughs) 
or it might lead to you having a tiny, pure moment of love and joy that I was able to provide for my friend because Pony Oracle was there for her. And I... I, for me, started to learn and understand that I am enough. Dressing up like a fucking horse taught me to stop and stand still in my body and be and accept love. And to accept myself and my kinks no matter fucking what. It took me 10 years to finally put on these fucking hooves and these ears, but when Oracle and I are together, we are so fucking beautiful. Dixie, you have to know that you have made my sex life better at home because every time I listen to your stories, I'm able to think about that when I'm in bed with my loved one and it helps me love my body and love pleasuring him and myself every single time with no abashed embarrassment. So thank you, Dixie De La Tour. I love you. This episode is sponsored by Hashtag Open, the sex-positive dating app for the open-minded. If you're looking to make new friends, to hook up, for relationships, for dates, Hashtag Open is unique in that you can create a solo profile, a partnered profile, or both. And if you identify as polyamorous, a swinger, as straight, as gender non-conforming, as LGBTQIA, as kinky, you name it, Hashtag Open is a place where you can truly be yourself. They have more than 20 options for gender and sexual orientation to choose from, and just as many options for relationship styles. And I love that Hashtag Open donates a dollar to Planned Parenthood for every new profile created on their site. Go to hashtagopen.com slash body, B-A-W-D-Y, to download the app today. Don't wait. Go to hashtagopen.com slash body and start making authentic connections today. The episode you're listening to includes just part of a live body storytelling. Body storytelling is a chance to come together in a room with other people who are more like you than you think. It's a chance to feel less alone in the world. So here's your next chance to feel more connected and less lonely. Our last body storytelling of the year is on Wednesday, December 18th. That's next week. The theme is best gift ever. And the show is at the Verity Club. This is kind of like the perverts holiday party. I bet Santa's going to have something special in his sack for you. We're also going to have some dirty spin the dreidel. 
a special bango card. It would be the best gift ever if you were there too. Then in January, we're back on Thursday night, January 9th in San Francisco, January 16th in Seattle. Tickets go on sale next week, by the way, for our big 13th anniversary show on Saturday, February 22nd. And this year, we've added front row VIP seating with gift bags, and they're going to go fast. You know our gift bags are pretty spectacular. Book your travel now to see Body's flagship show. Oh, wait, it's two shows because one has invited superstars and then there's our infamous best of body show. You vote on the storytellers and the winners end up on stage at our second show of the night. And both shows will feature the spectacular Rachel Lark, our musical muse. Tickets for all of our shows are on sale at our website at bodystorytelling.com and you'll find the link in the show notes pretty spectacular episode, right? I was so proud of that show. I hope you love it too. Give me an email. Let me know what you think. I love it when you send me voice memos telling me what you think too, so I can hear your voice when you say your words. And it's the end of the episode. So it's time to say thank you to the people who made this possible. Thank you most of all to podcast producer Marty Garcia. I had this vision in my head for how episode 100 would go and sat there and stalled and went, oh my God, I hate the sound of my voice. I hate everything about this because it's not going to sound as good as it does in my head. Marty is incredible at making things sound like I imagine they will sound. Thank you, Marty, for making my live show podcast episode dreams come true. Thank you to project manager, Dana Hanna. Thank you to video archivist, Joe Moore. Thank you to sound engineer, David Grossoff, who shows up at every San Francisco show to make us sound good. And thank you to you. I would love to hit the next level in 2020. This podcasting thing, I'm figuring it out. And somehow I've won a whole bunch of best ofs and I've gotten press from places like the New York Times and Forbes and Bloomberg. And I never knew any of this was possible for a pervy storytelling show. The world is changing and I'm hoping 2020 is going to be our biggest year ever. A great way to do that is to go to Apple Podcasts and write us a review. Stars are great. I'll take all the stars you can give me. But I want people to read your words. You're a big deal. And they believe you. So writing why you love this podcast, that can make everything change. I'm so ready for a change. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for telling one friend, I'll take five, but one friend about this podcast. That helps us grow. I am sexual folklorist Dixie Delatour. And here's a peek at what's next. I finally felt strong enough to move forward with my uh, lower surgery. You know, not everybody who's trans decides that's the right thing for them, but for me it was, and I, you know, let's say I exchanged my Audi for an Innie. <laughs> well, after that, I only had one thing on my mind. I wanted to get laid. Yeah. yeah. yeah.